0: Yeah, Ezekiel Elliott looked pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we took a lot of heat. Took a lot of heat having uh, Zeke as our RB three on the world famous draft kit. You know, criticism flowing in after week one. Oh, hey, you guess uh, guess uh, the Podfather likes his committee backs early in the first round. Good, g- great job. Thanks for that Zeke call, Podfather. Asshole. Now, now where are you? Now, 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 where are you, right? What's he doing? He's putting up 150 rushing yards, getting you the touchdown targets, right? This is what you can expect moving forward. They slow played Elliott, knowing it's a long season, 17 games now, but this is what you, this is what you can become accustomed to with the Dallas Cowboys and the way they distribute the touches. 20 carries to Elliott, 10 to Pollard and then another target or two or three or four to Elliott, right? And this was a low-volume game for their offense. I mean, Dak only threw the ball 22 times, so this wasn't going to be a, a, a target-hog game for Ezekiel Elliott. Hell, CeeDee Lamb didn't even show up in this game. So if CeeDee Lamb's not going to show up in the passing game, neither is Elliott, probably. But this was an Elliott game in that they were just uh, grinding clock. They just said, hey, listen, you know? We're up big at the end of the third quarter. We're going to run Zeke. When the game script skews heavily positive, Zeke's going to get the football 20 times, going to go for close to 150 yards. This is what's going to happen. And this was supposed to be a competitive game. The Panthers were undefeated coming into this game. We talked about this. The schedule gets easier. They started with the, the most difficult matchups at the beginning of the season for Ezekiel Elliott. They just got the most ferocious front sevens out of the way. Isn't that what you wanted? Is it wasn't this the right move to, to to get it out of the way now? And then as the season goes on, as the, the fantasy football playoffs come along, oh, that's when you have Elliot smashing. Isn't that what you want? There was no McCaffrey in this game, was there? No, nope. but Dalvin Cook didn't show up in the box score did he? Did he? You could argue moving forward given the schedule, given the situation <laughs> that Ezekiel Elliott should have been the 101 and you're complaining, oh, I took him in the first round. What a dud after one week. <laughs> it's crazy. But there, there is a problem, right? There, there is a problem, and I alluded to it talking about Dak Prescott's 22 pass attempts. The Dallas defense is too good. We talked about it last week with Ian Harditz. The Dallas defense is too good. If the Dallas defense is so good... That they could just sit on a lead for the entire second half. What does that mean for Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb? There are miles to feed, right? Where there are miles to feed in Dallas. You gotta feed CeeDee Lamb. You gotta feed Amari Cooper. We haven't even talked about the, the the return of Michael Gallup. That's imminent. You gotta feed Ezekiel Elliott. Clearly, Dalton Schultz is getting fed every week, right? Another touchdown for Dalton Schultz. Amazing. And Lamb two for 13. You thought, "Oh well, you know, this is this this Carolina secondary, they they've been tough, right but they did lose JC Horn. Let's we got to play Lamb. You're not going to bench Lamb. Can't bench Lamb. Can't bench Cooper. Cooper delivered, kinda. Kinda. 16 fantasy points. That's not a big boom performance. It's not winning you a week, right? No, the problem was no one was in this passing game. It was just the Ezekiel Elliott ground game show. And if Dallas is just going to keep shutting down opposing offenses, This is going to happen. We're going to have more of these games. And when you stack up these games throughout the season, these two for 20 games from Cooper last week and Lamb this week, it's you stack them up and you look up and it's like, oh, these guys weren't wide receiver ones. They weren't top 12 wide receivers because typically the top 12 wide receivers come from the more prolific offenses. If this defense is going to be this good and This NFC East is not going to offer any kind of challenge, no resistance. It's a problem. It's a problem. Now, on the other hand, on the other side of the football was DJ Moore. And as it turns out, DJ Moore, not only is he a better buy, like more valuable in dynasty than Calvin Ridley, he's just a better, more efficient player. Like all I see every week is Calvin Ridley getting double digit targets and not delivering a goddamn thing. Low catch rate, low yards per target, no touchdowns. That's what I'm getting every week from Calvin Ridley. On the other side, it's DJ Moore, and he's stepping up because DJ Moore looks the part of a proper NFL alpha. We've always talked about the issue with Calvin Ridley is not the target share. We love the target share. His target share is incredible. It's the reason why you're drafting him. You're drafting him based on the target share. But he's not this big-bodied outside weapon that can go up against opposing alpha corners and bring down the football in all different quadrants of the football field. Ideally, you pair a Calvin Ridley, a Z receiver, with a proper X, a prototypical X, like, oh, I don't know. Uh, Let me think. Um, who, Who might that be? Oh, Julio Jones, right? Julio Jones. Ridley was much more efficient with Julio Jones on the field. Not as prolific because the targets would get siphoned off to Julio, but the efficiency was incredible with Julio Jones. For good reason, because he was playing the proper position for a player that's 6'1", 190 with league-average athleticism. If you're 6'1", 190 with league-average athleticism, you shouldn't be out playing X on an island against opposing alphas. That's not not it, right? You're not going to be able to win against the opposing number one primary corner for the opposing defense, that it's, it's certainly a thing you could do. You could post that player up in that position and just cross your fingers. And then we look up every week. It's there's, there's, you know, it's like, where, what happened? And this was in a week where against Washington, it wasn't even like Washington has an alpha corner. It's like Washington has a scary secondary. They don't. And yet, here's Calvin Ridley, 13 targets, here we go again, 13 targets, four, seven for 80, exactly 15 fantasy points, loser game show sound. So, you have Amari Cooper being efficient with a handful of targets and getting a touchdown, yay, 15 fantasy points. You have Calvin Ridley, also from Alabama, but much smaller and less athletic than Amari Cooper, putting up the exact same number of fantasy points on like four times as many targets. It's like this this is where we are. This is where we are. When you play players out of position, this is what happens. And what happened to DJ Moore last season was they played him out of position. When you play players out of position, they underwhelm, they underperform. They decided to put DJ Moore in a field stretcher role. They said, "You know what? We're going to actually play him as a stretch Z and we're 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 going to we're going to run Robbie Anderson on all these drag routes and and we're gonna get him we're gonna get him the football we're gonna scheme Robbie Anderson the ball and we're gonna we're gonna run more deep whether it's at X, whether it's at z we're we're gonna we're gonna run him on, on, with these deep patterns And then they said well at some at some point and I don't know when this happened and we didn't know this was happening no one knew this this is why we have this show, the top 10 takeaway show we have this show so that now we can look up and go, oh wow, DJ Moore, is like a younger, more explosive version of Mike Williams. In that, what the Chargers decided to do was, no, we're going to cut off some of these routes, some of these deep breaking routes. We're going to cut these off. We're going to give Mike Williams the green light to cut these off and just, oh, you know, fake to the outside, shoulder fake to the outside, and just run the slant. And they're saying that DJ, DJ, you don't have to go deep. You don't have to run the the, the deep post. Every no, cut it off, right? Cut Just run the end. Take, t- take take the slant when they give it to you. Don't No problem. You're the main guy. We're trying to get you the football. Just take what the defense gives you. And then sure enough, you look up and DJ Moore's average target depth is outside the top 40. And that's where target depth decreasing helps the wide receiver, helps that featured outside player. Whether it's Mike Williams in Los Angeles or DJ Moore in Carolina, there's been a schematic change an emphasis change in Carolina where they're thinking, okay, we have our true number one in every sense, and we're just going to put him in a position to win on each and every down and distance. And you look up and, oh, he has 12 targets. Oh, he has a hundred yards. Oh, he has two touchdowns. Oh, he's smashing. He's had that ability all along. We knew this was him. And we, we've had these debates For five years. Ever since they were drafted in the first round together. About Calvin Ridley versus DJ Moore. And who would you rather have in Dynasty? Now it's like, who would you rather have in a seasonal league? I'd rather have DJ Moore. DJ Moore is just better. DJ Moore is going to play better. He's better. Everything about him is better. He's the guy you want. Now, granted, opportunity is king. And Calvin Ridley does have more targets this year than DJ Moore. So if you're just chasing targets... Without any other context, you would say, oh, 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 take lock, Calvin Ridley. But no, we say no to take lock. We are Bayesians. We are seeing a new process unfold. We're seeing what Calvin Ridley looks like after a whole summer of preparation without Julio Jones. And we're seeing what DJ Moore looks like with this coaching staff now in their second year, fully acclimated and knowing what these wide receivers can do. And shame on everyone that was overdrafting Terrace Marshall, right? We told you, don't overdraft Terrace Marshall. If you're going to take a rookie wide receiver in that zone, it's got to be Rondell Moore, just based on the upside. Terrace Marshall is definitively and without question the number four receiver on a Sam Darnold offense. And that's just not, that's not it, man. That's not ever it. That's just, it's not, it's not it. And I'm looking at our, uh, our pick'ems, our, our, our pick'em generator. We had the best week so far for the pick'ems. It's just some weeks certain things hit, right? Some weeks, you know, our, the, the dynasty teams hit. Some weeks it's the best ball team. Some weeks it's DFS. And I know that some people are looking up going, oh, your top 20 lineups on the lineup genius didn't hit, right? Okay. Well, other lineups did. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the pick'ems hit. Next week, it could be the lineups, the top lineups and the lineup, Genius. We'll see. We just keep playing it all. Under Chris Carson, over Brandon Ayuk, that didn't work out. Over Curtis Samuel, that should have worked out. Four for four on his targets, but only 19 yards. The line was just 27.5, so that was crazy. Under Nick Chubb, 1.5 receptions, that was too easy. Sadly, Odell Beckham Jr., we'll talk about that later. The over on OBJ didn't work out. Under on Mecole Hardman. Under on Miles Sanders. Sadly, I know, right? I know, but it worked out. It's sad. We'll talk about that later. DJ Moore over. K.J. Osborne under. I mean, K.J. Osborne under 40.5 yards. That was the, the layup of the, of the week. It's, it's the Browns. And again, we're talking about, at best, the number three, possibly the number five receiver from Minnesota. Tyler Conklin's probably better right in the course of his career I'm gonna I expect Tyler Conklin to catch more passes than KJ Osborne right so KJ Osborne 40 yards receiving that's a lot that's a ton and then I, I maybe ah, that was the easiest the easiest play of all was KJ Osborne under 40.5 but but close was Michael Pittman over. Fifty point five. He didn't smash it. He only had like fifty nine yards, but but still over fifty point five for the the leading receiver on any team, the go to receiver who's near the top of the league in both air yard share and target share. And that was the easiest one of all. So we smashed the Pickhams, and and the ones that didn't hit were the chalkiest that most people thought would hit. I mean if i if i told you you think brandon ayuk is going to go under 45 yards you'd say no way if i said you think beckham's going to get 70 yards you'd say absolutely and then so some of the the the, the public chasing clear cut picks didn't work but all our all our more clever picks and uh, the ones that we were most bullish on did hit and, and that's those are the weeks you love Th- those are the weeks you love and I understand that Sam Darnold smashed with two rushing touchdowns, right? Two rushing touchdowns. Sam Darnold now leads the NFL in quarterback rushing touchdowns. This is the most screaming sell high in two quarterback and super flex dynasty I've ever seen. And my only regret is that I've already traded him. I traded him last week in a league for Chase Claypool. I traded him the week prior for... Kenny Gainwell, Brian Edwards, and a 2022 first rounder. Sadly, I also threw in James Robinson. So, traded James Robinson and Sam Darnold pre peak. But what matters to me is getting that 2022 first rounder. Over time, that's going to be the most valuable asset in that deal. And I did get Kenny Gainwell, who again, we will talk about later. And you could argue, well, you sold too early on Sam Darnold. Look at this schedule. And that's a pretty good point. The Carolina Panthers schedule is amazing. Like, let's take a look at it right now. Let's let's pull this up. The Carolina Panthers schedule for 2021. It's, it's something to behold, right? It is a marvel. Dallas was one of the most difficult defenses they're going to face all season. And Sam Darnold goes for 300 passing yards and four total touchdowns, two of which were rushing. Shh. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It's not sustainable. But uh, for now, it's working, right? And it's going to keep working. I'm thinking it's going to keep working. For an extended period of time, because of the schedule, it, it's it's uh yeah it, it's undeniable. Next week, Philadelphia. The week after that, Minnesota. Then the Giants. Then the Falcons. Ah! <laughs> They're like, oh no, they, they do face New England. Okay, New England really gave Tom Brady a run. Okay, okay, fine. And then it's Arizona. Then it's Washington. It's like through week eleven. You want to play Sam Darnold. It's, it's, it's something like, it's something like good. Good for you. Sam Darnold truthers, Sam Darnold holders. Like you're not like me. Like I had Sam Darnold in a few leagues. I I let him go. I said, "I, I want that alpha receiver, that young alpha, that chase Claypool. I want that 2022 first rounder. Okay. Sue me. Right. But at the end, is when there will be a reckoning. There will be a reckoning at the end of the season because in the fantasy playoffs, Sam Darnold faces, get this, Buffalo, Tampa, New Orleans. And then if you happen to play in week 18, oh, Tampa again. So they're saving all the most ferocious front sevens and the most difficult defenses to throw the ball against to the end of the season. So, great, right? Great. At some point, maybe mid-November, Right after that Atlanta game, beginning of November, even better. I think after that Atlanta game, after week 8, you should put Sam Darnold on the block in every league. Every league. Seasonal leagues, dynasty. After week 8, after that Atlanta game, the schedule does tighten. But for now, and and through week 8, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it! I. I what am I going to say? What am I going to What can I say? The guy scoring fantasy points. And sometimes... That's what matters. That's what matters with Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen Hurts scoring fantasy points. Sometimes that's what matters. Like we had a bunch of Jalen Hurts this week. So we had a Jalen Hurts lineup stacked on the other side with Tyreek Hill. It was great, right? We did have some good lineups, just not like oh top ten in the Millie Maker. But you know, just you know, didn't quite have the right combination of guys. Jalen Hurts is putting up over 350 yards. Big time rushing numbers. He's their leading rusher once again. He just scores fantasy points. That's at that just enjoy it. What does he do? He scores fantasy points. And can he gain well? And I have to take a drink of water. Mm. Oh God. I don't oh, I don't want to admit this. This is terrible. This is horrible. I think the Eagles should be feeding Kenny Gainwell. I think that that it's time. It's time. Every time this guy touches the ball, he makes something happen. He's commanding targets in the passing game that Miles Sanders just can't. I don't know why they're not targeting Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders was famously or infamously, however you want to look at it, infamously dropping passes throughout training camp and preseason. The beat reporters told us this would be a problem. And then sure enough, they're not targeting him. They're targeting Gainwell. That's what they're doing. So if they're going to target Gainwell, they're going to target Gainwell. This, we need to adjust our assumptions of what's going to happen week in, week out with the Eagles. Eight more targets for Kenny Gainwell. He's now top 15 in the NFL in running back targets. And he looks the part of a satellite back plus, right? He has Eckler McCaffrey size. He was a complete and utter mega producer at Memphis. Even though he was on the same team as Tony Pollard and Antonio Gibson, it didn't matter. They were feeding Gainwell. He's just as explosive as Miles Sanders. Why not? Why not? Oh, because Miles Sanders is 10 pounds heavier? I'm not a size snob at running back. I think the NFL team should just be playing their most explosive runner. Atlanta should be feeding Cordell Patterson and stop Giving Mike Davis carries enough with the Mike Derry. Just just get it over with. Feed Al Patterson enough Mike Davis. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I just think that the Eagles should just feed Kenny Gainwell. He's good. He's really good. If a rookie's gonna do this, getting drafted in the fifth round, he made the active roster, he was thrust up the depth chart to that number two running back role to open the season. Those are all impressive accomplishments. Especially for a day three pick, and now he's out here just being the most productive running back on the team. It's crazy. I'm so glad I traded for. Him. <laughs> right? I think I'm going to be looking up in a couple of years and going, "Well, I, I did give up James Robinson in that deal, but I did get Kenny Gainwell back. So that, see, that, that's 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 important." And I mentioned our lineup genius. The problem with our lineup genius is we have a lot more lineups now than display by default we just we display the top 20 and there's a debate internally of whether we should be doing that because we had a lineup involving Taylor Hineke that wasn't displayed it was like lineup 21 and we talked about this on the on the plays of the week show we basically it wasn't the plays of the week show this week it was the Taylor Hineke show where we just talked about Taylor Hineke and we talked about this game that this Washington Atlanta game would Most definitely shoot out, right? Patreon.com forward slash podfather. I do a show every Saturday just for the people that actually care about this show in a real way, not the drive-by listeners who contribute nothing. Those of you that actually care about this show and want to contribute to the show, go to Patreon, patreon patreon.com forward slash podfather. And I do a separate show every Saturday. We we talk about something. And, And this week's topic was... This Washington-Atlanta game being the sneaky shootout of the week and wanting exposure to Taylor Hineke. And the beauty of the new lineup genius is you can pin players. You can say, okay, I get it. Taylor Hineke showing up once or twice among these top 20 lineups. I want to see more Hineke lineups. You can just pin Hineke and then, boom, you get 5 to 10 additional Hineke lineups. And I did that and I played all of them and one of them hit 220 fantasy points. It was incredible. Henicky Elliott, Mike Davis, Tyreek Hill, DJ Moore, Marquise Brown, Dalton Schultz, Terry McLaurin, of course, and the Lions defense. Again, it wasn't, wasn't a million-dollar lineup, right? Because it had the Lions in there, had Mike Davis in there, but it was a lineup that allowed you to fit in Tyreek Hill. That was the beauty. That's what we talked about on Saturday was that you want to play Hineke, McLaurin stacks because it allows you to also play Elliott and Hill and Moore amazing, right? That's also a skinny game stack, Elliott Moore. And I talk about our debates internally because I did not want to release these lineups to the public until we had secondary correlation, until we had these skinny game stacks layered on top of the primary stack being Hineke with McLaurin and Mike Davis. We had a Hineke McLaurin Patterson. We had a Hineke McLaurin Pitts. We had Hineke McLaurin Ridley, right? We, we were on Pitts this week. We're going to stay on Pitts actually because Pitts is getting the targets. I can't believe it that I'm becoming a Kyle Pitts apologist Right, because this, we hit on the streamer of the week, Dalton Knox, it, Dawson Knox, it happened, Dalton Knox, right? Dawson Schultz? <laughs> I'm just getting my weekly streamers confused. No, 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 Schultz was the previous week, and it was Knox this week, and we actually nailed it, finally. We nailed the streamer of the week, Dalton Knox. <laughs> Dalton Schultz? Dawson Schultz? What is it? What is it? What's his name again? Oh, yeah. Dawson Knox. Because you, you never know, right? You never know with tight ends. Anyone that thinks they can predict, oh, the tight end of the week. No, right? That's the hardest thing every week is to predict which tight end is going to get you the two touchdowns. That's really what you're hoping for, especially a week where Kelsey doesn't fire and there's no Waller on the slate and Kittle was hugely inefficient. We weren't playing Kittle because of... The, the Q tag, were worried about the injury sapping his explosiveness. And it, it, what it did was, apparently it affected his efficiency. But this was the week for a streamer tight end to use a fringy tight end that could get you two touchdowns in DFS. This was the Dawson Knox week. And the problem is that we we wanted to play Mahomes Hill. We wanted to play Allen Diggs. We wanted to play Wilson Metcalf. And when there's so many great plays with elite quarterbacks in a given week, it crowds out the fringier options, the Darnold stacks and the Hineke stacks. We included them in the top 20, but we couldn't include multiple of each because there's only so many. Like Here's the problem with the number 20. There's only 20. When you have top 20, 20 is 20. That's the problem with 20 is when there's 20, there's 20. There's not more than 20. There's not less than 20. There's just 20. And the good news is that I, I, I handed Josh Larkey a task, and I said, here's your mission if you choose to accept it. We need 150 lineups with primary correlation and secondary correlation. So main stacks and skinny stacks, and optimized to include all the best plays of the week given the upside of every player per our upside finder on the DFS Dominator package. Incredibly difficult ask. I didn't know if it was possible, whether it would be done next week or the end of the season. I had no idea. I just said, it would be nice if we could do this. And I can't promise it in week five, but I can tell you that we're close. We're close. And at that point, we're just going to release the hounds. Release the hounds! And just let you see them all, let you download them all, export them all, import them all, all 150. And then I'm going to start. I'll I'll tell you when. Hold, hold, hold. I'll tell you when to release. Right? I'll tell you when. I'm telling you when that I personally will start to max enter 150 lineups on the DraftKings Milliemaker. It's coming. I don't know when, but it's coming because I want to be able to tout all these Hineke lineups as easy to access. Now, they are easy to access. You just pin Hineke. You click the pin icon and you can see all these Hineke lineups as I did. It wasn't hard, but I want it to be even clearer that we love Hineke and here are the Hineke lineups that we're playing. It will be. It will be. It will be because Hineke, Hineke's happening, man. It's, it's happening. he He's good! Right? And he did the thing. He did the thing that we predicted he would do, which is he rushed five times. And unlike unlike Sam Darnold, see, the thing is, Hineke, when he runs, he's actually athletic. That's why he's just a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. Like, if it were me, and I were starting a franchise today, I would rather have Hineke than Sam Darnold at quarterback. Hineke's just a much better athlete. And... They have similar skills as throwers, like they have similar passing yards per game in their career. Hineke actually has better, smaller sample, but more yards per game as a thrower, significantly more because Sam Darnold spent all that time on the Jets. So, like, deal with it. Hineke's better. Hineke's happening. Hineke was efficient, and instead of giving you the rushing touchdowns, he didn't do that. Oh, he just gave you that. 300 yards and three touchdowns through the air. That's all. That's it. It was was easy to predict, and it happened. So I just want to just bravo. This is a late-round pick from a small school. I don't know, was it Old Dominion? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Someone look it up. Does someone have a website where you can look up these kinds of things? Where can we look up where Taylor Hineke went to college? I think it was Old Dominion. Check me on that. Check it. It was Old Dominion, and he wasn't a late draft pick. He was undrafted. He was undrafted, and he's just good. He just—we saw it in the playoffs last year. He's just a good player, and that—that's—that's that's, really that's it. Just, just go get good football players on your fantasy team, and it might work out. Especially if they have good weapons. If they have a Terry McLaurin and a Curtis Samuel and an Antonio Gibson and a J.D. McKissick, that helps. That really helps. Supporting cast helps. And I also love that Taylor Haneke, he's wearing a Band-Aid. He's wearing stitches above his eye in his headshot. He's like, he has medical tape above his eyebrow on playerprofiler.com. Respect the hell out of that man. Love that man. And one of the reasons why even our Haneke lineups didn't hit in the way we wanted was that we also layered in Devontae Adams, Najee Harris, skinny game stacks and that didn't fire and Odell Beckham jr who was the best value of the week he didn't fire so when you have the value of the week at wide receiver not firing you have your favorite skinny game stack not firing this is how you just can't quite get it exactly right where you have a lineup that looks like it's going to smash and you got it all the pieces are in place except oh you have Mike Davis instead of quarter Patterson Though we did have some quarter L Patterson lineups, but those weren't necessarily with Taylor Hineke. Those might have been with Kirk Cousins. It's just, ah, fuck! We're going to skip. Think about this, though. Think about it. The top 20 lineups don't smash, and I'm excited to play more lineups. Th- think about that. Think about Of all the people in the world that know how the sausage is made in the Underworld, that understand the mechanics of how these lineups get created and how you make money in DFS, if I'm excited to play my own money, to put my own funds into the middle of the table in the weeks ahead after we didn't make money in week four, what does that tell you? What, what, does, what, what does that tell you? It might tell you that Ben Roethlisberger is a disgrace. He is a disgrace. He's a disgrace as a football player, and he's a scumbag as a person, and I hate him. I just hate him. I don't hate anybody in the world. I certainly don't hate any football players. These are gladiators that are putting their health and brain matter and their their future cognitive functions at risk for our entertainment. I have nothing but the utmost respect for these football players, except Ben Roethlisberger, who I hate. I, I, I loathe this human being, and I am relishing his failures. He is pathetic. He is a disgrace. And he's dragging this entire franchise down. I think by the end of the year, his yards per attempt is going to be like 3.5. And the only player benefiting is Deontay Johnson. And I will say that of all the shows we've done recently, the best show I've done in a long time was the Starter Stream show on Sunday morning. This last Starter Stream show, I ran so pure, and not just because I was just ripping the audience to pieces. I blew the audience apart. Just explaining to the audience how much I loathe them, as well as Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> and that I don't want to be there ever. I hate Ben Roethlisberger, and I hate doing the Starter Stream show On Sunday morning. I do it just so I won't get fined. I do it to be a team player. Our social managers at Roto Underworld want me to do a Sunday morning show for engagement purposes. So I'm doing it. I love doing this show. Like, I like to talk about the action after it happens. Predicting what's going to happen on a goddamn football field is impossible. No one can do it well. but, But every Sunday morning, I try. And I try to pretend for a moment that I care about your fantasy team, even though I don't. And then it quickly, the veil drops and it's clear. I don't care about your fantasy team. I've stopped trying to pretend I care, but I will say, I will say the Sunday show was very good because we predicted Deontay Johnson is a screaming value that you have to start him. You have to start McLaurin. You have to start Deontay Johnson There's no questions. There's no one else you should be starting or thinking about starting. You start these guys. I think it was the list went all the way down to Amari Cooper. Just wide receivers, you must start under any circumstances. And Deontay Johnson was advised even ahead of Justin Jefferson. He said, Deontay Johnson actually has more upside this week given the matchup, given the game conditions, given the target share, given everything that we can project, right? Because... A lot of sophisticated information goes into Josh Larkey's upside engine. And when it spits out that Dante Johnson has more upside this week than Justin Jefferson, I believe it. And then sure enough, he delivered more fantasy points. Now, I did override. I mean, it was a final override and it, the show is stale, right? It's talking about who to play week four. No one's going back and watching that show, but you should tune in this Sunday I'm not going to be as good this Sunday as was well. last Sunday, but but right? I also suggested starting, and this this happened. I can't believe this happened. I'm so proud of this. I suggested starting Jacoby Myers over Clyde Edward Solaire. Oh, yes! That's how we closed the show out. And on that show, I also talked about the downside for Brandon Cooks. The downside for Brandon Cooks is real. And that if you think you're a favorite, you don't have to play Brandon Cooks. You don't have to be a hero. Playing Brandon Cooks Takes balls in week four. And I said, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. I might not do it because that 20 nothing, 30 nothing, 40 nothing game is out there. This Buffalo Bills defense is the truth. And there's going to be a game where some defense just completely walls off the world from Davis Mills, throws him in prison, and doesn't let him throw for more than 80 yards. That game is hanging out there. And it, it 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 feels like this week is when that's going to happen. Sure enough, it happened. <laughs> they scored zero points. Houston is who we thought they were. They scored zero points. But the Bills are also who we hoped they would be, right? The Bills are awesome. The Bills are going to be in the Super Bowl. The Bills are going to the Super Bowl. They're going to face the Cardinals. Like, this is already clear to me. <laughs> it's going to be a Bills-Cardinals Super Bowl. Because if the Cardinals can beat the Rams handily who beat the Buccaneers the defending champions handily and the Buccaneers have an above average defense one of the best front sevens they held the Patriots to negative rushing yards like that was like a like a riddle like how is that possible like is that a typo how how'd they do that I don't know they did it right and yet the Rams beat them transitive property boom Cardinals handily beat the Rams and now they're undefeated and it's not like the undefeated Steelers of 2020, like, this team is happening. The Cardinals are happening. It's on. Like, it's on. They're going to the Super Bowl to face the Bills. We don't even have to play the season out. Like, why? Right? Just basically... You have to play it out just to make sure that Allen and Murray don't get hurt. Right? That's really the big unknown. As long as they stay healthy, those are your two Super Bowl teams. It's going to be a fun Super Bowl. I can't wait. Right? For this Bills-Cardinals Super Bowl. And speaking of Super... Chase Edmonds is a super back. They go, Chase Edmonds is a discount version of Austin Eckler. Well, uh, soon enough, eh, that that day is about to arrive. You're just going to look up and realize, oh, well, Chase Edmonds is just Austin Eckler. Like, he is that guy. It's like (laughs) 140 rushing yards, five targets. What? Like, just casually. Like, just casual. This guy, I mean, it's like, what? Yeah, he's just not getting the touchdowns, right? Connor is still getting these pity touchdowns. It's like, oh, it's okay, James. You're still on our team, too. We still care about you. We'll give you the touchdowns. But Chase Edmonds, I mean, he's going to have one of these weeks where he has two touchdowns, and everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, this guy's an RB1 in fantasy. Yeah, where have you been? And Van Jefferson in that game looked like the best wide receiver on the field because he's super polished and he's fast. So he is the real Deshaun Jackson. It's like is Deshaun Jackson back? No, he's not. Deshaun Jackson's dust. Van Jefferson is the Deshaun Jackson. He's playing that Deshaun Jackson role. And if he's going to go 6 for 6 and be the leading receiver. I mean, he's top of the waiver pickups. Like this is this is the Matthew Stafford offense. Matthew Stafford can absolutely sustain three fantasy relevant wide receivers. So queue up Van Jefferson. Queue up Latavius Murray if you haven't picked him up already now the problem with Latavius Murray is no targets right but, but he's the primary back getting a primary running back is why we he's let off the waiver wired show the fab guidance on Patreon like why is Latavius Murray near the top it's like what do you mean why it, it it's just Tyson Williams Tyson Williams is nobody like he's nothing right he has a bad half he misses a block it's over career over Tyson Williams who He didn't even play. I didn't even see him out there. Was he hurt? I don't know. I didn't get the news. I don't know. I don't know what happened. All I know is Latavius Murray is the primary back. And that's a guy that you want for your fantasy football team. But I'm not in a hurry to start him because he's not getting targets. So he's a guy that, okay, my RB2 got hurt. My RB2 is underperforming. I'll play some Latavius Murray if I'm projecting some positive game script. Done. That's it. That's how you use him. You don't get too excited because... Talked about it all offseason. Lamar Jackson does not check it down to running backs, and you'd much prefer a running back that's going to get the targets, whether that's Kenny Gainwell, whether that's Chase Edmonds. Hello! Hello! Day three running backs from non-major conference schools. Absolutely, positively, in every way exceeding expectations. That's Kenny Gainwell, and that's Chase Edmonds. I love these players. Nate doesn't like these players. Nate's off these players. He's playing the probabilities. I get it. I'm on these players. This has been the great dichotomy between Nate and I. These are players I love. Jeremy McNichols. I've loved Jeremy McNichols forever. Forever. Right? Day three pick. Boise State. But what do we always say about Jeremy McNichols? This guy's slick in the passing game. This guy's explosive. And, you know, I fucked up. I fucked up. I didn't mention it on the... Plays of the Week show, or the Starter Stream show, or at any point. Once we found out Julio Jones would also be out, instead of just celebrating Nick Westbrook-Akine as a potential free square wide receiver, and he did get the eight targets. So that, that did happen. It's just that they weren't converted. And targets can not be converted for any number of reasons. Just ask Antonio Brown. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But McNichols, really? Would also benefit from the law of the conservation of targets. He's the satellite back. And I fucking forgot. Like, I just forgot. Like, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I forgot. I should have touted Jeremy McNichols. And the funny thing is, and this is great, I have McNichols in so many dynasty teams because, you know, we start three running backs. And I've always liked McNichols. And the moment I found out that, Darrington Evans was headed to IR, went and grabbed all the McNichols and Dynasty. We talked about this. And we've converted a bunch of these patron leagues to best ball. So I'm looking up today and, oh, there's McNichols in my lineup. McNichols, 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 McNichols. This is why you play best ball. I didn't know. I forgot. Like, I admit it. I'm fallible. I'm human. I forgot McNichols would also benefit from target conservation and he would be A fringy, worthy of Hail Mary status play this week. I blew it. And yet, the best ball format wouldn't allow me to fail. And I love that. Like, I should be rewarded for knowing McNichols has this game in him, given the situation. And I shouldn't have to remember to set all of my 300 lineups. Hence, the beauty and the pageantry and the saving grace of the best ball format. And but but there was a league where I do set my lineup and the running back position has just imploded. I have I have you know about this team. You all you all know about this team where it's funny. ATN uh, Cam Akers, JK Dobbins, and I did start McNichols in that. I did start I, I did start McNichols. I actually hit the start button on McNichols this week. I did that in a single league. I feel great. I feel great about it. Congratulate me. Eight catches for seventy-four yards. Love him. Love him. And we we just we appreciate these unheralded players, except Tim Patrick. Like right? I I was never on Tim Patrick last year. Yes, this year no. I've always said. I, listen, Judy's coming back. Sutton's there. Fant's there. Akui Boonham's there. Two pass catching running backs are there. What do you really think? Is what are you thinking? For Tim Patrick. It's not like last year where it was like two receivers. No, it's like it's a very thin play. Patrick's always been a thin play. And it would be one thing if they weren't facing the Ravens and the Steelers in consecutive weeks. But they are. So forget Tim Patrick. And then to compound matters, now it's not even Teddy Bridgewater. It's Drew Locke. So poor Tim Patrick. The moment that the masses, the public, finally woke up to Tim Patrick and said, oh, this guy, he looks interesting. He keeps scoring touchdowns. I should play him against Baltimore with one of the lowest game totals on the slate. Maybe not. Maybe don't do that. So don't feel bad for those people. That's that's the gullible public playing Tim Patrick. But I do like Tim Patrick. As a player, I respect him a lot. Undrafted grinding his way into the starting job in his late twenties. It's impressive. But you should have been playing him in fantasy football. Shame on you for falling for that. But I fell for Brandon Ayuk, man. A lot of people fell for Brandon Ayuk. I feel like I, I feel like a sucker. I feel like a sucker. It's not a mistake, right? Not processing the target conservation ramifications in week four for Jeremy McNichols was a mistake by the Podfather believing that Brandon Ayuk can just be what he was last year isn't a mistake because everyone made this mistake. Everybody liked Brandon Ayuk. If Brandon Ayuk fell to you in the sixth round in fantasy football, you were scooping him up. Everybody was. Of course you were. No one was drafting Debo Samuel before Brandon Ayuk in fantasy football. No one was doing that. I know someone's like, oh, but no. Yeah, but no. Oh, but no. You weren't doing it. If it's so, Show me the draft board. Where you drafted Debo ahead of Brandon Ayuk. If you can show me that draft board, congratulations. I'll send you a free t-shirt. Show me. T- screenshot it. Email it to me. Podfather at RotoUnderworld.com. It doesn't exist. Okay? We're not going to be sending any t-shirts. I'm not going to have to call the t-shirt company after the show. Hey, better, <laughs> you better get, better get the presses ready. you going to have a big order coming. No. No. No, no, no. So don't feel bad about that. And you also can't feel bad when a player is experiencing a truly bizarre statistical circumstances. Because that's what's happening with Debo. He's not a traditional alpha receiver in that he's a yak monster. He's a yak Z. That's what he is. He's not a stretch Z. He's a yak Z. And yak Zs are awesome. I love these guys. Like, they're such fun players. And they would be the players I would have on my team. If I were running an NFL team, I'd have a bunch of satellite backs and a bunch of yak Z's and we would dominate, right? I would have Debo, right? It would be Debo and Chase Edmonds. You know, the team, you, you already know who the team would be. JJ Taylor, poor JJ Taylor. We'll talk about him in a minute, but Debo Samuel has a 50% air yard share. Like he's getting 50% of the air yards in that offense. And he's number 85 in average target distance. So what does that tell you? That tells you that his target share is astronomical, which it is. And that the 49ers keep the ball very close to the line of scrimmage. They do not throw the ball downfield at all. And we know that to be the case as well. That might change, though. See, that, that could change. That could change. We don't know what's going to happen with Trey Lance. The Trey Lance era is here. Love it. Love it. I'm here for it. I'm here for the Trey Lance era. I like Trey Lance. I, we, were, we were drafting Trey Lance in Superflex Dynasty Leagues at the 102. I have him in a bunch of places. I'm very happy. I'm happy for him. We like upside, right? We're chasing the upside. We love Trey Lance a hell of a lot more than we loved Zach Wilson, right? Congratulations to Zach Wilson winning a game, right? Still with the negative rushing yards, though. See, the thing is, we were sold that Zach Wilson is actually a Konami QB, and we haven't seen that yet because he didn't rush for big yardage at BYU. He just rushed for a bunch of touchdowns randomly, like Sam Darnold has a bunch of touchdowns this year. Who cares about Players who benefit from touchdown variants don't care. Don't care about Zach Wilson in any way. I do care, though, about Trey Lance. This is exciting, and it could mean a shift in the target distribution in San Francisco. More targets could go to Kittle. More targets could go to Iuke. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, but it's an unknown for Debo, and at this point, Debo Samuel is a sell-high in fantasy football. If you can actually get a player back that has been as productive as Debo has been this year, but has more brand equity, is in a better situation, has less uncertainty, has a longer track record of wide receiver one production. I would do that deal. I would do it now. That's a very specific case, right? It's a very specific type of player. Like you'd want to get a Stephon Diggs in return. I get it, but it's possible now. It's possible that, You have enough box score watchers in fantasy leagues that it's worth your time to just put Debo on the block and see what you can get back, knowing there's this quarterback uncertainty and the target distribution could shift. But again, I love Debo Samuel. Don't get it twisted. I love this man. But sometimes in fantasy football, you have to put even the things you love on the block for the good of the team. And I love Leonard Fournette. I'll just say it. I'll say it. I love Leonard Fournette because he just represents everything that's right about our process and everything that's wrong with the process of others. Betting on Ronald Jones. Oh, you want to bet me on Ronald Jones? No, I'll just let the games play themselves out and you can humiliate yourself touting a running back that can't catch, who doesn't start, right? Who the fuck? Who in their right mind would tout a running back that can't catch who doesn't start football games? Who would do that? The answer is a lot of people. A lot of people loved Leonard Fournette, still do. The Leonard Fournette truther population is so much higher than anyone might think. And it's mostly analysts, it's mostly hipster wannabes, right? That that masquerade around as if they actually know what they're doing and they don't. They're just reading the work of others and pawning it off as their own. And then somewhere along the way, they, they come to the conclusion, oh, I can't believe you're not a Ronald Jones, dude. How are you not a Ronald Jones, dude? And so Leonard Fournette has become the symbol of not being on Ronald Jones, dude. Ronald Jones sucks. He's still, I still respect him, okay? I don't hate him. I like him a lot. He's, again, a gladiator, nothing but respect. The only person I hate in the NFL is Ben Roethlisberger. I don't hate Ronald Jones, but he does stink. He stinks. And I'm starting to think that Nelson Aguilar also stinks. The, 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 Nelson Aguilar was a product of Derek Carr. And we didn't know Derek Carr was this good last year. We thought, oh, De- Aguilar. No, it was just that was just Derek Carr doing his thing. Because what do you want Mac Jones to do? What do you want Mac Jones to do? Mac Jones, to me, looked terrific. Because I sat down and watched that entire game with my daughter. Well, she watched the first half. She had to go to bed, but... She's a full-blown football fan. She's a bigger football fan than me. Like she lives and dies with these drives. I'm like, listen, it's a long game. Like we don't know what's going to happen. Like let's just let's just watch it play out. Well, actually, I do know what's going to happen. What's going to happen is Bill's going to get conservative, and he's going to kick field goals when he should be going for it because he's trying to beat oh I don't know Tom Brady with a a less talented team. So if you know that, then w- when you're on the five yard line, you go for it. When you're on the forty yard line and it's Fourth and two, you go for it. You don't try to kick a career-long field goal in the rain. What are you doing, Bill? What are you doing? You play to win the game. Bill Belichick played to lose that game. And the refs played to lose me. The refs need to put these goddamn flags away. Now, I will be at barbecues, and I'll be out and about in society, and I'll talk to casual football fans, and I'll, you know, I'll try to you know underplay what I do. I don't want to get into it. And and I've always been fascinated by these conversations inevitably devolving into referee criticism. Oh, the refs. Oh, the refs. I can't watch the NFL. Oh, I quit the NFL. Why the referees? The referees, the referee, the flags, the flags, the ref- And I was like, really? Is it that, that big of a problem? I was talking to Cody about this. Cody said, Yeah, I mean, penalties are up again this year. Every year they set a new record for penalties called. It's a mess. And I was like, Really? Is it really? I don't know. I mean so I'm watching this whole game because it's it's the game I wanted to what it was the game of the year for me. Yeah, as a Patriots fan, we are got to watch this game. Gonna see Mac Jones against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary. Gonna see how Tom does. Mantle returning to Yankee Stadium. How about that? What was I talking about? Oh, Mac Jones. He looked good. He looked pretty good. He looked okay. He took care of the football well enough. It's like, oh, the target depth. What, what do you mean? Where do you want him to go? Who's deep? Who do they got? Uh, last time I checked, they, they have Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne. These guys run a four, five, five. What do you want? There's no Tyreek Hill. They don't even have a Kadarius Tony. So get off Mac Jones about the target depth. He's playing on a horizontal. Playing field, not a vertical playing field. Tom Brady's playing a different sport. Like he's just lofting it deep to Antonio Brown on like third and two. He's like, you know what? I'm going to launch at 40 yards. And Antonio Brown, by the way, had double digit targets and could have absolutely smashed, should have gone nuclear. He lost the ball in the lights because what I'll tell you is when it's raining, what happens is those raindrops they flash in the light, right? So they they shimmer and flash in the light, and they make it a lot harder to see the ball when it's coming down through the darkness in between the raindrops that are reflecting light. It's not easy, man. Oh, 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 Brown's got to wake up. Brown's got to open his eyes. Do you even know what you're talking about, bruh? You try to track a ball in that situation, in the rain. It's incredibly difficult. Luckily, again, I've... I was an equipment manager at the college level, so I know these things. Always tapping into that experience. But that was understandable. That, that, was just, that was just bad luck. right? That was just bad luck. And then because the ball was slippery, he couldn't secure it in the back of the end zone for another touchdown. But he could. Antonio Brown is a buy low from, as, as, a, as a game watcher. And again, I'm only watching these goddamn games because of my daughter. Now a, a, a reformed game watcher. I'm officially watching these games again. I'm glad I did because I'm going out and trying to trade for Antonio Brown everywhere, everywhere. There's going to be dud weeks, just like Godwin. There's three receivers. They can't all feast every week. So you're going to, it's going to be volatile, but he's going to have week winning weeks, right? He's going to have slate breaking weeks in the future. They're coming for Antonio Brown because he's playing that stretch Z position. And in that offense, Tom Brady feeds that guy. It's great. It's great. It's great. That guy doesn't exist. It's Nelson Aguilar, but he's not good. Like, like Mac Jones has Aguilar in that role. Tom Brady has, oh, I don't know, uh, Antonio Brown in that role. See the difference? So this is why we can make excuses for Mac Jones. He didn't. He didn't melt faces against a Buccaneers team with the most injured secondary in the league. And it's not just bad luck, right? It's not. It's not because. Somehow, and I don't know, and I think Tom Brady needs to hold Bruce Arians accountable for this. Why in hell was Carlton Davis playing on special teams? Every time the defense comes off the field, they need to wrap Carlton Davis in bubble wrap. Like, you're our only good corner left. You're the linchpin of the secondary. The last the last player, it would be Tom Brady and Carlton Davis. Those would be the two players you would absolutely never play on special teams. What are you doing? What was Bruce Arians thinking? What are the refs thinking? Throwing all these flags? That was not pass interference on Richard Sherman against Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry just can't separate. They threw the flag because there was no separation because Nikhil Harry couldn't separate. Richard Sherman didn't do anything, Right. There was a play, it was an uncatchable pass to Hunter Henry and a cornerback or safety bumped up against Henry, but it wasn't even to Henry, it wasn't even in his vicinity and they threw the flag. It's like, let them play. If it's not affecting the play, if it's not the dude you know draped all over Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette, by the way, drawing a pass interference call down the field because he's good at football. I love that Leonard Fournette is good. And it's incredible that there's now two incredible buy-lows on this Buccaneers team. Fournette's a buy-low and Brown's a buy-low. Fournette, Brown, Brown, Fournette. Two post-Apex players on the defending champions that you need to go acquire in fantasy football. Fournette and Brown. Because Fournette just didn't get the touchdowns. Those two touchdown games are floating out there. He was out there for 80% of the snaps. I know, oh, Bernard didn't play, but... Like he's better than Bernard. It's clear. It's clear. And even when Bernard is active, he's still commanding five targets. He had 20 carries again. He just didn't get the touchdowns. He's scoring a touchdown in every game in the playoffs. It's just touchdown variance. You need to get Leonard Fournette and lean into the touchdown variance. You want to get Brown to lean into the weekly variance at wide receiver. Lean into that volatility. Get Brown. Lean into the touchdown variance. Get Leonard Fournette. And the rest need to get out of here throwing all these flags. I mean, what are you doing? There was a, a holding call on the Patriots on a run play that was impossible to diagnose as holding. How could... There was nothing. Nothing happened. And Collinsworth is excusing this. I think there's a deal in place with the networks and the league to not criticize the officiating and to just make shit up. Like, Collinsworth said, oh, I, I saw... I saw a a grab of the jersey. They showed every angle. There was no jersey grab. It was a phantom call. It was phantom call after phantom call. Even when it wasn't a phantom call, when it's the safety running into Henry, it was not a catchable pass. He wasn't even in the vicinity anyway. So keep your flags in your pockets! I understand it. Like, I get it. I get Steve from the auto parts store complaining about... The goddamn flags! I haven't watched a full NFL game in years, and for the first time, I'm like, I know exactly what Steve's talking about. This is this is unwatchable, and, and this is the game of the year for me, and I'm struggling to get through it. My daughter doesn't care; she's transfixed. She's just like, we gotta we gotta get this, we gotta get a first down here. And I'm like, well, listen, like we we got you, Kobe Myers. We'll be okay. <laughs> Whether he's throwing it jacoby myers almost 20 fantasy points because he had those couple passing fantasy points love it i love it jacoby myers finding a way and i think he hasn't scored yet right jacoby myers has not scored a touchdown in his entire nfl career it's coming but he's another buy low every week he just goes out and, 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 he, and he's averaging 10 targets and yet Everyone's like, eh, he's a possession receiver, eh, rookie quarterback, eh, eh, eh. And then when you look up, it's like, there, he's the main guy. He's the main guy. Mac Jones is going to keep playing better. Mac Jones right now is playing the best of any of the rookie quarterbacks. It's not even close. That was a huge moment for him. He only turned the ball over once, and it was in a deep shot that was the equivalent of a punt. Didn't matter. He didn't hurt them with any turnovers and he had, he had great ball placement. He was getting through his read progressions quickly. He was, he was showing off arm strength when he did have receivers down the field, which was on a rare occasion. I mean, the future is looking so bright in New England for Mac Jones. As soon as they get a field stretcher, I mean, that's it. right? That's all they need. They get a field stretcher in New England, it's on, and they knock it off feeding Brandon Bolden. I mean, Brandon Bolden is going to be... Heavily targeted by me and everyone that takes my recommendations on Patreon with the fab guidance. He's the new James White. I hate it. I hate it so much because it should be J.J. Taylor. J.J. Taylor's more explosive. You saw it out there. You saw it. Bolden gets the ball and he gets you the bare minimum. I don't know why they're rewarding him with this role. I think it's wrongheaded. And this is the problem. When you have a 70-year-old coach, even if it's Bill Belichick, Right. He's going to kick field goals when he should be going for it. He's going to be playing a veteran, giving the veteran deference when he should be playing the more explosive playmaker in J.J. Taylor. That's what these crusty coaches do. And that's Bill Belichick. He still, and forever, will be overrated. And yet, Jacoby Myers, Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, underrated. And I see how Tom does. Yeah. Like Buckner returning to Shea, except not. See, that's see, that was a mistake I just made. That was a terrible, that was the worst analogy you could possibly make. He's the anti-Buckner. But here's the problem. If you watch the starter stream show, I went on a whole Goodwill hunting uh, you know, uh Diatribe, and I, I tried to tap into that again. I was like, oh, I can I can run that back. I can run the Goodwill Hunting Diatribe back again, and it didn't work. It didn't work at all. It was a it was an epic failure just now. So this was the failed, failed analogy. Apologies, wasn't Buckner returning to Shea at all. It was anything but. It was Mantle returning to Yankee Stadium. How about that? That's what it was. That's what it was, baby. Give you a baseball analogy that makes sense. Hennigie's happening, man. It's it's happening. Hennigie, he's gone, right?